Aleph. Okay? So here you will see what we just did. I'm going to, if you read the Hebrew, um, you can uh, read the Hebrew with me. Otherwise, I'm going to just uh, quickly translate it, okay? So he says, Al HaPosuk on the verse, it says, Vayetze Yaakov mi Be'er Shava. It says, this week's portion begins that Yaakov left the Be'er Shava, Vagoimer, etc. Isa B'Medrash. So in the Medrash it says, what does it mean he went from Be'er Shava? He went mi Be'er Shava, from Be'er Shava. Now, what kind of question is this from Be'er Shava? I mean, Be'er Shava was the name of the place. He left Be'er Shava. I mean, why are we even talking about this? I mean, what's wrong? The verse is telling us Yaakov left from Be'er Shava. But even, even Rashi, right away in the Chumash, you know, they mentioned that really, we know what Be'er Shava, that we know that Be'er Shava, uh, that that where Yaakov lived, and that's where Yitzchak lived, we know that. Because that's in the, in the verse, it doesn't have to tell us where he left from. So there is some significance in mentioning the the parsha, the place where he left. So the the medrash says, thank you. The medrash says that that he left Be'er Sheva. So he says Be'er Sheva means mi shel shavua from the well in which there was an oath. There was a well there where they swore. He went away from the from the from the oath. And this is what the medrash says. Omar Yaakov Yaakov said. So Abimelech shouldn't stand up on me. And he will tell me, Just swear to me, Just like your grandfather swore to me. He wanted to. He's explaining why Yaakov is leaving. He says he's afraid that he's going to tell him, Swear to me like your grandfather swore to me. It'll turn out, Yaakov is saying to himself, I will delay the rejoicing of my children for seven generations. He said, if I stay here, then I will be delaying their rejoicing. What is their rejoicing? They're getting into Israel for seven generations. How so? So he explains. Since that Avram went and swore to Avimelech. And through this swearing that he swore to him he prevented their entrance he prevented them to enter for seven generations as explained the Medrash in Parshish Vayedo that for seven generations they couldn't get into Eretz Yisrael because of the oath that Avram has given to the king of Philistim to Avimelech and he explains for the time from Avram till they can conquer the land of Sichem through Moshe Rabbeinu this was before they passed the Jordan before they went into Eretz Yisrael it was just on this side of the Jordan that took place by Moshe Rabbeinu it was seven generations that it was delayed it was seven generations that it was delayed because of because of the oath that he has given, the pact, the treaty that he made with Abimelech. So that took place because of the treaty of Abraham. And Yitzchak, 
And Yitzchak also gave later on, one generation later, he also gave an oath to Abimelech. So he added an additional generation. Because over here we're talking about because from the time from Yitzchak until they can conquer the land through Yeshua, of Rugamkin's emphasis, there is also past seven generations. So it turns out there were seven generations that their entrance was delayed for an additional generation after the seven generations from Avram. So in other words, it started a new seven generations, one generation later. So, seven generations from Avram till Sichon and seven generations from Yitzchak till Yeshua. So, only one extra generation because he was one generation later. Oh, wait a minute. So, Lachain, let's just say Lachain, on line number 13, Lachain, therefore, Choshash Yaakov, Yaakov was worried, Shemayit Tarek Gam Hulish Balavi Melech. He might be having to swear to Avi Melech too. Because his father and his grandfather, they all made an oath to Avi Melech. He was afraid. This will delay the entry of the Jews to Israel. Zion Doidus, seven generations. which really means an additional, not a full, because every oath adds seven generations. So if he would make a Shavua, if he'd have to swear, so he would have to uh, delay, the Jews would delay another generation. So therefore, Yaakov says, Yaakov He says, I don't want to swear, I don't want to make a pact with Abimelech, and therefore I'm leaving. This is the words of the Medrash. So if you read the Medrash, you just read the Medrash, you're surprised. Number one, you don't know, you don't understand. Since Avram and Yitzchak didn't care and they swore to Abimelech, although it delayed their children, right? So why did Yaakov care about it? Or the other way is, if Yaakov cared about it, how come Avram and Yitzchak didn't care about it? So we have to figure out, so, so Yitzchak, it seems like Yaakov is holier than thou, you know, he's more, he's, he's more doing better than his friends. So how come they didn't care and he cared? The Rebbe is going to explain that because of Avram and Yitzchak's service, they have not actually conquered, so they weren't fit to enter Israel yet, until seven generations. It is only after Yaakov's work, meaning when Yaakov doesn't want to make a pact, he doesn't want to swear, it means that Yaakov prepared the Jews to go into Eretz Yisrael. They're not wanting. Let's see as the Rebbe explains. Okay, but let's first learn the question. So we need to understand the line 18 now. Since that also Avram and also Yitzchak, they both gave an oath to Avimelech, and they didn't worry, that it delayed the entrance of the Bnei Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael through this oath. They did not leave the place where Avimelech lived, so so they don't shouldn't need to. To, to swear to him. We don't find that they left Beersheba. They stayed there, so they swore. Why is it specifically Yaakov who is afraid 
Kusvot of a Melech, Velichlech Brisitoy, and to form a covenant with him. Ache Bishvukach Yotsu Mibeir Sheba, Mibeir Shoshvuzu, he had to leave Beir Sheba from this, from this Shvua. So why was it only Yaakov? Bechen Koshal Idergis, and it's also difficult on the other side. Ech Itochen, how is it possible, Shavanom Vijishok Nishbul Avi Melech, that they should swear to Avi Melech? Line 27. Without concern that they're going to delay the Jews from going to Israel, so why didn't they? Uh, why didn't they uh, leave Be'er Sheva? Why did they swear? Why didn't they care about the uh, the children not being able to enter the Eretz Israel? And the explanation again will be what the Rebbe is going to explain. It's not about caring or not caring. It's not so much the caring. When we say that they made a pact with the enemy, or they let Pelishtim stand, what it really means is, because in their level, they did not yet, they weren't able, they were only able to have the opposition not infiltrate them. They just protected themselves. If you want to be an example, you know, we have a lot of Hasidim, or a lot of uh, Jewish people who are religious, they feel that they, in the way to protect themselves, in the way to be able to survive and as, as religious Jew, as a community, they need to isolate themselves. They need to cut off all outside influences, all negative things that there is out there, and just to sort of build a big wall around themselves and not deal with the negativity, not change anything over but allow for them to be on the other side of the fence, and they're on this side of the fence, and just, you know, you live your life, and we live our lives, and nobody cares, and we're all we're happy. But uh, we know that uh, our way, and the way to really be successful, is to actually, in order to raise our children successfully, is not just to allow, but to allow for the negativity to be there, but to try to influence and change things around. So that the people who are on the other side of the fence, they change their ways too. And they become also part and involved in the process of recognizing Hashem and the teachings of Avram and Yitzchak. So now the Rebbe is going to go through this, the, the steps to show that this covenant with Pelishtim correlates and it parallels the same thing with their children. Just like we're saying over here that Abraham and Yitzchak make a covenant with the Pelishtim, with Abimelech. And Yaakov doesn't. It parallels the idea that Abraham and Yitzchak both had children who were not righteous. And on the other hand, because, in other words, not being righteous means that they allowed for that, they accepted that, even though that it was their children. And Yaakov, on the other hand, he doesn't make a pact with the Abimelech, because his children, his family, all stayed intact. So let's go on base. The Habir and the explanation. We find a difference between the level of the greatness of Abram Yitzchok to the level of Yaakov's greatness. Based on this, we will also be explained. Gamkin Hevdil Yusoydi, a fundamental difference between the type of service that Avram and Yitzchak were involved to that of Yaakov. 
line 32. Avram Yotza Mimenu Yishmoel. Avram Yishmoel went out of him. When we say Yotza, this is the word words of the of the sages. They use the word Yotza. Yotza went out means he left him. Out of Avram Yishmoel left Avram. And Yitzchak also we have Yotza Mimenu Esav. Esav left him. Esav left the teachings of Yitzchak and Yishmoel left the teaching of Abraham. Avram. I knew that means she Yishmoel ve Esav Yishmoel and Esav Av shehoyu bnei Avram ve Yitzchok although they were children of Avram ve Yitzchok the whole Zoyis nevertheless Yotzu they still they left they went out Mishaychusim laviseyem vinifrumudulehem and they separate themselves they they left their connection to their fathers and they went away why keagdusho shal Avram ve Yitzchok ve Avidosham because the sanctity the holiness of Avram and Yitzchak and their service, it didn't reach them. Avram and Yitzchak, they did service, they worked, they became close to Hashem, but that did not touch them, that did not touch their children. Their children remained on the outside, Yishmoel and Esau weren't touched. They did not influence them that they should turn around to good. Avram and Yitzchak did not turn their children around that they should turn around to good. But on the other hand, Yaakov, what is Yaakov's greatness? His bed is complete. His bed is complete is a reference that all of his children are all tzaddikim. All of Yaakov's. Why? Because his service impacted in all of his 12 sons. They should be whole. And they are whole. The Yaakov Madregosi. Not only whole, but they remain connected. They remain connected to Yaakov. It's not Yotza, not like Mavram Yotza, they left him. They went away from him, but rather they remain, they influence them so that they all remain connected. All the children of Yaakov remain connected to Yaakov. So, but one can ask, but all the forefathers, Abraham, Yitzchak, they all were very great in the terms of the Kabbalah. They are called, they were like a chariot. What does it mean? When we want to describe a, a person who is totally devoted, or he's totally selfless, or he's totally subjugated to God. So we use the term, he's like a chariot. What do we mean that he's like a chariot? Because when you, uh, when you want, let's say, the horse to move, right? So most of the time, the horse listens to the, uh, when the person uh, riding the horse tells him to go, he goes where the person tells him. And if the horse doesn't listen, you give him a zest and he, and he listens. So, there's a certain level, there's an obedience, the horse listens to the, to the rider, but it listens, and sometimes reluctantly, but it still listens in the end. But say for example, the carriage, the chariot, the carriage that follows. Does the carriage make a decision now that the horse is pulling? I'm going to go along with the. Huh? The horse moves, the carriage moves. <laughs> there is no say, there is no. Nobody asks it, and there's no input, and there's no evaluation. It just goes. Because the chariot it follows. It, it, it's just, you know, physically slept along. You go and move. When we want to describe the greatness of the tzaddikim who followed Hashem in such a deep level, 
that it didn't even have to go through any thought process, any emotional attachment, any, any intellectual understanding. They just totally, God wants, I follow. So we call it a chariot, we call it a cover. It means that they're totally buckled, they're totally subdued. They have no self-say about anything. They're just totally devoted. So the forefathers, when we want to describe their level, their intense level of connection and subjugation to God, we use the term of Merkava. They were like a chariot to God, which means whatever God wanted, they just followed without even voicing any objection or anything else. They just did as they pulled along, just like the carriage follows. So, although the Rebbe says here, so look inside, although the Rebbe says here, on line, the end, the middle of line 39, the all the all of the forefathers are the chariot. And the soul of each one of the forefathers comes from the world of Atsilus, which in Kabbalah is the highest world. Yes, There is still a distinction, there is a difference amongst them. The Gam and also with regards to the way they worked, their approach to things that oppose, that are opposite of holiness. There is a difference the way they treated things that opposed holiness. Yaakov 43. Yaakov mainly occupied himself by purifying and refining the evil. The To turn things around and make it eternally good. His work was always to find the negativity, to find the evil, to find the bad. Switch it around, turn them around and make change. So that instead of being evil, it will turn around and it will become good. As opposed to Abraham and Isaac. And therefore, after also Yishmael Tshuva, Yishmael repented, we find at the end of his life, it says that Yishmael, when they buried their father uh, Abraham, it says that Yishmael let Yitzchak go in front of him because he, he repented, he recognized, it says that Yishmael did Tshuva, he repented at the end of his life. The Yashem Rim is also those that say that when Shekashivayorat says of the Kurosoy, Later on, when we learn in the portion that Esau was running uh, towards uh, Yaakov and he kissed him, so there is some opinion that say that Noshke Bukhaliba, he actually kissed him all his heart, that uh, even Esau, Harasha, Esau the evil, at that particular uh, instant, he was really uh, infused with some sort of a sensitivity, some sort of a feeling towards his brother. Despite that, despite those commentaries, and despite these facts, but still, loyal is a kiyum, but it didn't last. Because Yishmael's children and Aisha's children were still suffering from them today. Throughout, in exile, and all from the, from the Christians and from the Muslims and from all the tzaras that we have throughout our history, is why? Is because it didn't last. So even if Yishmael did shuva a little bit there and Aisha did shuva, but that thing did not sort of come through and it didn't work through for the, for the future. So, how come? So 48. So although that Avram Yitzchok, they occupied themselves in the work of purifying things, but Avram Yitzchok were there, they didn't just live an insulated life. Because we know that Avram built this big 
motel or hotel over there, and he fed people, and then he made them, you know, uh, he forced them almost to uh, bless God because they wanted to thank him, and he sort of said that you have to thank God, and he did all kinds of, you know, he had the first Chabad house, this this Avraham, you know, he first he gave them to eat and to drink, and then he says, well, you owe me something, you got a bench, and then he, he squeezed them, and he pushed them to go ahead and do a lot of the things that they didn't want to do. So, Avram worked with the people around him. But the thing is, as I mentioned before, as I was going to say here, he didn't change them around. He just wanted to take away their opposition to his way of life. He didn't try, he didn't have them change around. Let's look inside. So, although Avram occupied themselves in the service of Birurim, as the sages tell us, we got Avram on the Pasik, it says he called there in the name of Hashem. So the verse says that he called there in the name of Hashem. Avram called in the name of Hashem, God of the universe. But the Medrash says we should change the reading. It's not that he called, but he made other people call. In other words, he helped other people recognize and call out and uh, and made it uh, clear to them. Don't read it that he called, but he made others call. Avram Avinu made God's name be called in the mouth of all those who passed back and fro. Everybody who passed by there, he would make them and teach them about God, teach them about the monotheism, about Hashem. In a similar way, it's explained with regards to the service of Yitzchak by digging the pits. It's also explained that he would dig the pits, meaning uh, he would dig and find in each one, just like in a, in a, in a pit, there is a, there's a lot of cover, there may be dirt, there may be sand, there may be rocks, and there may be mud, but if you dig deep enough, you'll find some fresh, beautiful, uh, quenching water, live water. And this represents the idea that he would uh, find in people's souls, he would find in people, he'd dig in people, and he would find their souls, and he'd wake them up, and he'd sort of uh, help them find themselves, and find the treasure that each one has within themselves. But nevertheless, despite this, notwithstanding this, so this type of service, when it came to negative, and it came to things that were klipa, uh, uh, they were they reject negativity. They push away. They would uh, uh, not deal with it. The way they dealt with opposition is to push it away so it should not uh, oppose. It should not interfere to holy matters. But not that they themselves should turn around to good and holiness. So their purpose and their end result of their occupation with the evil and pulosimem and their effect was in a way of rejection. To remove their opposition. But not to change them around. Not to change their existence. Just to take away, knock away their negativity. As opposed to Yaakov. He went to Choron. Choron is Choron Avshel Mokim That was the anger of Hashem in the world. The worst place of the world. 
So Vishama Isamidasa Pulasi and there he worked and he acts enacted Pulas Khyuvis positive actions to purify them, to turn them around to Kedusha, to holiness. So he took the evil and he worked with them to try to turn them around. This is similar to the difference that there is between the service of the righteous people and the service of those who are Bali to Shuvah, those who repent. The Tzadik has no connection to matters of evil. Even a strange thought doesn't fall in his head. A righteous person doesn't have to deal with negativity. Negativity doesn't interfere. He doesn't have any bad thoughts. He doesn't have anything negative. He's just, in other words, it's separate from him. He's distant from him. Baruch has explained the Glantanyah. As opposed to a Baal in Yone, his matter is also to switch around evil to holiness. To take sins and to make it into merits. I'd like to tell the story about the uh, Bardichev, or Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev. He once was going out on Yom Kippur, it was the holiest day of the year, and he bumps into a Jew who was totally, uh, you know, rejected any form or any level of observance. In the middle of Yom Kippur, he's sitting and eating a big fat sandwich, and he's smoking a cigar in front of the Rebbe, in front of Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Bardichev. And Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Bardichev says to him, he says, I envy you. Oh, he says, of course you envy me. You'd like a sandwich also, like I do. He says, no, 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 no. He says, no, he says, I envy you. He says, why do you envy me? He says, he says look, it says that a, a person who has done a lot of sins, if he repents, he says, all of his sins turn into become mitzvahs, become good deeds. He says, can you imagine, I only have 630 mitzvahs, you know, that I can do. But in the amount of Averis, the amount of sins that you've done, if you only repent, can you imagine how many mitzvahs you're going to have? So he says, Rebbe, he says, if you envy me this year, wait till next year, you'll envy me more. <laughs> There'll be a lot more. But at the end of the day, he actually took the message of the Rebbe and it changed around things in his life. But the tzaddik doesn't come in contact with, he doesn't Evil Avram and Yitzchak, they didn't, they didn't consider they in their world, evil did not exist, and that's why Avram Yitzchak he said Yishmael is good enough. I don't need necessarily Yitzchak. Yitzchak said that you know Esav, I give him the blessings. You know he accepted it because he couldn't see, he didn't see in his world, evil did not exist at all. So in his world. There was no evil. So if somebody was evil, they couldn't, couldn't they, they didn't see it. But that's not necessarily good, because, you know, it's like being kind to the criminals, to other people, who then later on and go and hurt everybody else. So by not seeing, or not knowing, and not understanding, you're not really helping the situation. But when Yaakov went, he dealt with the, and he changed it around to turn things around. Give up. That was his his job. I mean, it was God gave each one their mission and their job, and Avram Yitzchok had their job, and Yitzchok that was Yitzchok's job. 
I mean, all this was predestined and it was meant to be that way because that was the plan that God had for this world. Doesn't seem well in the, well. Yaakov, we also find. Yeah, I mean, his brothers fought plenty and they sold each other. I mean, they fought. Yeah, but yeah, but at the end of the day, they all stuck it out. In other words, Yehuda did tshuva, Shimon did tshuva. They 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 came around, you know. I mean, and the Jewish people are from them. In other words, the end of the day, it's not that he went without his own trials and tribulations, with own challenges. You know, like in life, there's always challenges, so they had uh, the challenges too. But still, at the end of the day, they were able to come out, you know, um, all intact, you know. And the Rebbe's going to explain, because, okay, since that in the service, the liyoyis gimel, the liyoyis shabavaytis avrom v'yitzchot, lo inizbarra daim etziyus v'sholarash v'plushti. Since in the service of Avram v'yitzchot, the existence, the existence of evil that was in the Plishtim has not yet been purified because they didn't deal with the Ra. Uh, Avram Yitzchuk didn't deal with the Ra. It was only the opposition of the Plishtim, of the opposition of the Palestine over there, they, they with the Philistine, that was sort of taken away. So therefore there was the possibility so that their essence of their existence and also the non-good that's in their sons, should remain in its force, and it will not be purified through the service of their fathers. Because it didn't deal with the negativity, so notwithstanding that they made a pact and everything else, it remained there, and then again it flared up again, you know, when the time came, they, they flared up, because it was never really dealt with. That they left him. They actually left any connection to their service and their holiness. Hello. But the only thing is, they didn't oppose their matters, their fathers. Yishmael and Esau didn't go against their parents. So at least they didn't bother their parents. In other words, they allowed them to do their thing and without interfering what the parents wanted to do. In other words, the parents couldn't influence them to change them around, but on the other hand, they did not go ahead and do anything to, to hurt their parents. So the essence of the klipa, the, the negativity itself, so if it does, if it's not connected to holiness, and it doesn't oppose it, so what does it mean? So it's not against it, it doesn't oppose it. Eventually, because they they worked enough to 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 subdue it that they don't they don't bother me, okay? But that means that it's going to stay as evil as ever because eventually, it's not going to allow. This is So. The service of Avram Yitzchak did not touch them. The Imkain, Ein Mitziyusak Shalatzma Mushlelas Mitzad Avedosim Zu. So, their own existence uh, is not uh, rejected because of their service. O Kamei Shematinu Avram, like we find Avram. Avram, we see in his Yashim Tov Neches, he settled amongst the Neches when he tried to buy. The piece of land for burial for Sarah, for his wife, the Maratha Machpelah. 
So, they recognize him that he's a prince of God, he's amongst us. He still did not influence that they themselves should turn around to good. They always remained the son of Ches, the Bnei Ches. The Rebbe doesn't say, And we see, the Rebbe doesn't say it here, but we see that Abraham said not to marry their children, and not to get involved with them, not to mix in. Kirois and Esau married them, they were murdered through they, 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 they didn't change around. Even when they agreed for him to bury and sell the Mars Machpelah, how is it actually It's only that they didn't disturb him from doing what he needs to do. But they didn't change around, they didn't transform. They themselves were not transformed to Kedusha. So when they sold Abraham, when they sold Abraham the Mars Machpelah, they allowed for Abraham to have a burial place for his wife, but it doesn't mean that they themselves changed around, so that they became good people. All those people that became followers of Abraham, they were people that in essence had goodness to them? Yeah, so they're good followed, but the negativity wasn't dealt with. So the those who followed, followed, and those who stayed back, stayed back. But they didn't do with that. <laughs> Whose purpose is to purify and to turn around and to refine also the worldly matters that are come from the clip So through that service of Yaakov, that takes away, that removes also the existence of the Ra. It doesn't allow for the Ra to stay. He takes away the Ra. That's why his bed was complete, meaning all of his children were, were there. Dalit. According to the above, Yuvan will understand why Abram Yitzchak formed this covenant with King Avimelech. And they made peace with him through this oath. Why? What is the purpose of a oath and forming a, a covenant? That is to effect with the full force for each, for each one of the sides not to oppose the other one not to fight and, and have war with him this was the uh, intent of Abraham Yitzchak in the swearing to Avimelech they made a covenant that he should not oppose them because you know we read the Torah first uh, Yitzchak would dig pits and Avimelech would, would, would cover them up you know whatever they would do they would sort of fight them so they what was the covenant about? don't fight me no more in other words allow me to do what I need to do that was the extent of the avoid of Yitzchak but on the other hand, but the covenant does not change Abimelech. It doesn't make Abimelech into a nice person. Abimelech wasn't changed. He remained who he was. To turn him into a, uh, an object of Kedusha. Okay, finally, on page of Gimel, 23, This is all the service of Abram Yitzchak. As opposed to Yaakov, his service was 
to remove the existence of Klippa. He didn't allow, not to make peace with Klippa, but to remove the existence of Klippa. By subduing and turning around the Klippa and the Sitra Achra, he could not form a covenant he could not allow and form a covenant and allow for Abimelech to remain Abimelech he cannot make such a covenant with Abimelech Abimelech in his existence is not something that uh, Yaakov is ready to accept Yaakov wants to work with Abimelech and change him around and you know if you have a classroom sometimes a kid so then you have a kid who is disturbing let's say right so, an Avram Yitzchak kind of a teacher will just, you know, work that the child shouldn't disturb the class. And, you know, he doesn't try to make sure that if he will engage this particular child, if he'll uh, do special activities and figure out ways to change the child around, so not only the child shouldn't make an opposition, shouldn't interfere, but to have the child turn around, that the child will find an interest in what's being taught over here and what and being engaged, and then you know becoming a a star pupil themselves. And this is the difference between Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov. Avraham and Yitzchak, they were the teachers that accepted. As long as you don't disturb the class, if you don't want to learn, if you don't want to study, if you're not interested, if you don't care, fine, don't disturb. That's it. But that's not the right way because then you haven't changed anything. Then you've made peace with him. You said, okay, you're not disturbing everything else. But the way of Yaakov is to see to it, to change around, that it doesn't exist anymore. There is no more uh, bad. That the, the person that uh, disturbs not only doesn't disturb, but becomes a very important partner and member of the class and is able to help out and is becomes somebody who's really involved. But also, when he recognized that he can't change around in Abimelech, he says, I'm not even going to even try. I'm not even, because I know who Abimelech is. I know what he stands for. I know that I don't have a chance to turn him around. So he says, I'm not going to go there. But here, in the metaphor, what it means is, I don't accept Abimelech, so he should remain Abimelech. If I can change it, Melech, yeah, Yaakov changed him. Yaakov, he says, he, when we say that he doesn't want to make a covenant with him, means I don't want to make a covenant, and look at the last words, as he, on his terms, look at the last words in, in line 5, on the page here, as he is in his, on his tzir, the way he is formed, in his shape, that if he wants to remain Abimelech, the teacher will not accept that this child should be just there, not disturbing. He will tell him it's not acceptable to remain that way. He has to see to it that he should change, so therefore he's no more longer Abimelech. But then you're not making that covenant with the opposition. There is no more opposition. Because you've taken the opposition, you switched it around, you turned it around, and you made it into the solution. And this will explain us the... Uh, flow of the verse. According to the explanation, from the oath that was done by the by the well, because the going out from the beira of the shvua in yonah, the idea is mashimetzad that because of his service, he was not able to 
accept and make peace with the existence of evil in the world. That's why he didn't just remain there. He couldn't remain oblivious and remain in that... That wasn't acceptable in that kind of a, of a peace, that kind of a pact, a treaty, was not acceptable to Yaakov. He couldn't remain in it. But rather he, had, he must go out to Kharona, which He goes out into the anger of the world. He has to go and change around, take negativity and turn it into Gidusha. Hey. According to this we understand why Avram Yitzchak weren't worried about swearing to Avimelech. Even though through thee you're delaying the joy of my children. It's not the swearing itself, which is the level of their service. That's not what prevents the Jews from going into Israel. But because of their type of service, that they are still accepting the making covenant of Melech the existence of the Klippa has already re- still remained in its force and its existence as long as the evil of the world is in its situation and its strength it, it prevents we can't go to Israel it's not the Shavuah it means it's not just because they swore it's because their level of service did not address that. So Yidin cannot go to Eretz Yisrael because it's long. Yidin can only go to Eretz Yisrael once we purify, we conquer the evil. If there is evil still there, they can't go to Eretz Yisrael. Not just because they swore, but because they swore because that was acceptable to them, because that was the level of their service that they allowed for the evil to be there. So Yidin are not ready yet to go to Eretz Yisrael. Only after Yaakov goes into the anger of Hashem in the world. And his service to purify the matters of Klippa and turn them out to Gdusha. The <laughs> then there can be the joy of going to Israel. So is also with regards to the future redemption. It comes specifically, it comes through the service of, the type of service of Yaakov. Through our hard work, during the time of exile, by purifying and refining, the anger of Hashem in the world, we, we, we purify, we work with the world. We will merit the third Beis Amigdash. What is the third Beis Amigdash? Not Avraham, not Yitzchok, but Yaakov, the third one of the Father. Because the first base amigdash corresponds to Avraham, didn't last, was destroyed. Second base amigdash didn't last, Yitzchak didn't last. But the third base amigdash, that's Yaakov, that is going to be permanently. Not like Avraham, which says Har, but like Yitzchak, Anyways, the, the, the bottom line is that it's not enough to accept evil for what it is, but we've got to work and try to turn around and see to make a difference, to change things around, so that even what seems to be evil is really uh, turned around. Even Yaakov, who, who, that was his service, that he had the strength to go into a place like Kharam. We have Abraham and Yitzhak there, both in Israel. 
and also his children, Yosef was able to become a prince to second and able to remain in the course that he was. He obviously gave his children the tools which to be able to continue to conquer the world. That's exactly right. That's why they were able to do it. And and, and you find actually that um, people who totally segregate themselves and separate themselves from the world, okay, so sometimes it works for some, but then if they do get caught up sometimes, then they fall very, very far because they don't have the tools and the means of how to deal with different things. And, you know, I mean, you see it in not even in religious or spiritual matters, you know, you know, people that get everything handed to them, they don't have to work for anything, they don't have to... So when sometimes difficult strikes, they don't know, they go crazy because they don't have the means to... to it's only if you have struggled and it's only if you've had, you know, to deal and learn how to how to navigate through difficult times and overcome challenges that you can really eventually, you know, uh, get to uh, overcome things and, uh, and without, you know, uh, totally uh, falling apart, you know, things like that. And, uh, and you know, and that's why, you know, it's important that even parents who have the ability to give everything to their children and they, they want the best for their children, but it's not always the healthiest thing to give everything because you have to teach them that you gotta sort of work things through, you know, you gotta you gotta work hard and you gotta be able to uh, to earn and to achieve and to appreciate, you know, that's the very important. Two questions. Sure. Was, um, the fact that uh, Yaakov didn't make a covenant with Abimelech, uh, uh, so it didn't make him greater than Abraham and Isaac, right? So we have, we have uh, three great forefathers. Yeah, absolutely. But he's not greater than them. Even Which is a good question. Why isn't he greater? Um, very, very good question. But we are only, when we say greater or, or higher, I mean, within their levels itself, we're trying to point out different types of services. Relative to us, they're all greater, and there's nothing. Like I said before, they're all chariots. They just had different types of ways of servicing, and their type of service, uh, Yaakov's type of service, uh, um, sort of um, came through for them in order for all of his children to be what they are. It's everlasting. In all, I just want to say to you this: in, whenever we learn something like this. It's not absolute. It's only with regards to one aspect of it. So, for example, you can say Yitzchak. For example, it's it's brought down that in the future we'll say to Yitzchak, "Atovino, that you are our father." There is a uniqueness about Yitzchak, which is more than Avram and, and Yaakov. There is something special about Avram, which is not by Yitzchak and Yaakov. So, the fact that we point out something of Yaakov doesn't mean. Okay, now Yaakov is the greatest, or Yaakov is not the greatest. It's just one idea, in one way, Yaakov had something which he needed to do from what we can learn from. But we don't have to take this as, okay, now we've made a decision here, this one does this, and that one does that, because there's a lot more that goes into play over here. This, this is just in one aspect that we're dealing with. What was your second question? Uh, maybe it's uh, irrelevant. To the Doesn't matter. Topic. But why that evil person like 
Lavan was Lavan, the white. Why? It's a white. So again, the story of the Chumash that we read. It, first of all, it happened. So there were, and it wasn't evil people in the name of Lavan, and that's a good question that you're asking. Why are people evil? Why are people good? I mean, that's 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 a fair question. But what we're discussing over here, we're not looking at Lavan as the person Lavan who he was that was evil. Lavan represents somebody who is in opposition to Jacob who doesn't allow him to do service of God. So Lavan is considered to be, from the side of evil, he represents evil. So we're not, for our purpose of a conversation over here, it's not important to us who Lavan was, Lavan an why evil person or not. Why does he come with a name like Lavan White? Oh, Lavan White, you mean? Because he was a, a cheater. He, pretend, he was a cheater. cheater yeah. He showed a different face. He called himself Lavan. He was as black as they come, but he called himself Lovin just to trick everybody. That was part of his. That was part of his. That, that was part of his deception. He deceived everybody. So it says, like it says, with regard to Esau, Esau, you know, he was an Esau of Russia. It says, like, so it says in, in the Rashi brings down that Esau was compared to a chazir, to a pig. So you know that in order for a um, for an animal to be kosher, it has to have two sides. It has to chew its cud, and it also has to have split hoofs. That the leg, the feet, the hoofs have to be split. And any uh, animal that has one or the other, either it just chews its cud, or it only has split hoofs, is not kosher. But a chazir is a animal that, of course, is not kosher, but it does have split hoofs, and but it doesn't chew its cud, so it's not kosher. But, you know, a chazir likes to roll in the mud and the dirt and all the garbage. And when it rolls in the mud, its legs are always up. So, it's metaphorically speaking, it's tried to show off its legs. He says, everybody look at me, I'm kosher, I'm kosher. <laughs> because I have split hoofs, you know, look, look, look. He doesn't chew his cut, but he says he has to try to convince everybody how he is uh, kosher. Like he's a righteous person. So it says, with regards to Esau, Esau was the same way. Esau, it says in the verse, Esau, he turned 40, he married these women. Now, uh, he says, my father was 40 years old when he got married, so I'm going to go and follow in my father's footsteps. I'm going to get married when I'm 40 years old too. Now, he doesn't say about that he would take women all the time, and he would, you know women from other men and everything else of all, all the things that he was doing throughout his lifetime all of a sudden he shows himself now I'm holy he says look at my legs I'm kosher and Rashi also says that it says when Yitzchak loved uh, Esau it says because so the simple meaning is because he was hunting there was game in his mouth meaning that he would feed his father very well from the food so Kitsayid Bifid means there was Tsayid means the hunt, the game was Bifid in the mouth of Yitzchak because Yitzchak loved him because he fed him well so he loved him but Rashi also brings down another commentary Kitsayid Bifid it was he used to hunt him with his mouth I mean that was Esau Esau pretended to be a very righteous person he would ask his father like very very religious questions He'd come and ask him, he'd pretend, he'd ask him, how do you give a tithe from salt? 
how do you give a tzitzit with straw? He'd, and he'd show off to his father. His father would think that he's very, very religious. You know, that he's uh, a very so religious... So was he really deceived? Was he really deceived? From, in the simple text, yes. But everything, when you take it further, you can say he was deceived because in his level, he didn't see the evil in Esau either. In other words, he, he couldn't relate, maybe what the Rebbe is saying is, he couldn't relate really, you know, see no evil here, he, he really, he lives in his world, you know, he didn't really, I mean, don't look surprised like that, because how many parents today, you know, they come for a report, you know, from the teachers, from the something, and then they try to tell them in, 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 in various different ways, you know, something, some people just can't hear it, they just, and they, and they don't hear it, and they actually take a personal offense sometimes. Yeah. He was so holy, he could not relate to the lifestyle that Esau was living. He was pure, he sat In the simple text. I see you have a question. You want to ask. Well, probably the answer will take all night. Yeah. But he was so holy. He was so removed from the physical world. Uh, yeah, yeah, but in was simple, in the simple he story, he was deceived. But that's, that's in the simple story. But on the higher level, he was deceived maybe because he had a different... Uh, but don't they say that he saw the potential in the son Asaph? He knew how, what a great person Asaph could become. And that was Let me tell you, it says in the Zohar, it says in the Zohar, in the Kabbalah, it says, actually part of it is in the Talmud, it says that when it came the time to bury Jacob, when Jacob died and his sons, Joseph and the other brothers, had to bury him. So they buried him where? In the Marat HaMachpelah. And the, uh, together where Abraham and Isaac were buried. So Jacob says that he, uh, that he wanted to go there. But Esau came and he argued. He says, I'm also a son. I don't want you to, uh, to, to bury them. So it says that one of the uh, Jacob's son actually with a sword chopped off Esau's head. It says that Esau's head fell into the lap, rolled into the lap of Yitzchak. He already explains this. He says, when Esau's head is detached from the body, it's still holy. It's when Esau together, the way it stands, in other words, what it represents, his, his intellect alone and his, his mindset, there is holiness, there is value there, there is credibility there. But it didn't, well, yeah, but it didn't, it didn't sort of affect, in other words, together, we have the whole Esau together, as a whole, it's negative. But if it's separate, if you are able to distinguish between, this, there is some redeeming factor there too. Go ahead, ask your question. Well, it's a continuation to some extent for the first question. Uh, the story you, say, uh, you told us today is somewhat sad. Yeah, uh, because let's see, if when we key, uh, when Miriam uh, poured uh, like sells the trust, she could have uh, filled this cup to the full and give me half of the cup because he is like he is very absorbent and, and I'm not. So maybe I'm deserving only the half cup and she like honestly fills this to the top and mine only to the half and. Honestly, I would be very upset about this, right? And I think most people too. That's why you, you poured to the top to both of us. 
Oh, that's not why. No, because you're just as high and higher than them. Okay, but anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so, so there, there is some essential assumption of, of fairness uh, between people. Like, people, I don't want to be perceived as worse than he does. And in the story that you, you tell us, more or less, Hashem, who, who knows what would be in this world and what was in this world and what would be in this world, he, like, he, he gives Abraham two children. But he, he already knows that only one of them would get a full uh, cup. The second one would get the uh, half cup. And then another generation, again, full cup and half cup. And only the third generation gets gets uh, the chance, the, the, the even play, like even field. Level playing field. Level playing field, yeah. So, uh, by the way, who won the Patriots? <laughs> Go ahead. How come? How come? Where is this meanness come to to those half?